The following is a fourth-hand production. Bring on the weird. Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? Yeah, man, I'm ready. How about you? Yep. This might be our cursed episode. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen next? <laughs> this has been an absolute disaster. I'm going to be drunk at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We tried to get this month started early. That was an hour ago. Hour and a half. I'm still not sure what the hell happened. I don't know. All sorts of technical issues. I, I swear. Dude, I swear. When we were playing games with the headphones... I was picking stuff up in a different room of my house. And it turned out it was a problem on your end. Yeah? But... In your house. I don't even know what the problem was. I still I, <laughs> I still don't understand it. Trying to, they're trying to stop us, man. They're trying to stop us. That's what it is. The government, they, they fucking hacked my system. No, I think, I think it's because... I think it's because my wife's trying to get... In, she's getting into all these skeptical conspiracy theories. That's it, man. She's been listening to all the coronavirus stuff, all the COVID-19 stuff, and all different people saying different things. These doctors that are coming out as some kind of whistleblowers. See, so it's you and her in the house now. Now the government's like, whoa, you got to keep an eye on those two. <laughs> Something's up. My wife wasn't into any of this stuff until this all this COVID shit came out. And now she's kind of, she's questioning a lot of things. I was like, yes, question everything. Question all the things. Do not believe anything they tell you. Don't believe anything I tell you. Go look it up yourself. Exactly. But we're recording right now. and Pro Yeah. You're probably going to hear this Monday. Maybe. Sunday if you're a patron? Yeah. <laughs> a $2 patron. That's right. The $1 gets you a shout out. The $2 gets you a shout out. And ad-free, promo-free episodes. Oh, yeah. And I think we're about to start hitting the ads pretty hard again soon, huh? That's the plan. And uh, actually, you know what? It's May, so it is time for shout-outs, right? Oh, yeah. It's gonna be May. It's not gonna be, it is. Oh. <laughs> well, I know we have Wanda and we have Dakota. Uh-huh. And the other two are True Crime by the Book and Connor Carroll, all $2 patrons. Yeah, hit up True Crime by the Book. Um, you, could, you could email True Crime by the Book, tcbytb at gmail.com. Tell her, the fellas that bring on the weird saying, say hi. Do it. Yeah. Connor Carroll? Connor Carroll, Connor Carroll. It's all guy for Connor Carroll. Thanks, Connor Carroll and Wanda yeah. and Dakota. We appreciate it. And now, to this afternoon, what is your drinking slash coping mechanism? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I got a dogfish 60 minute, but after all this bullshit we just went through, I should have grabbed something stronger. Yeah. But I can't really do that. I got kids. <laughs> I got the kids here, so. And it's afternoon. Got to take it easy. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Just a little bit. 
What are you having? I'm having having these one at a time. So I'm saving them for the podcast. Why not? The old dogfish Palo Santo Merom, the wood age brown ale, twelve percent. Yeah, that one's heavy. I wanted to. There was I wanted to get the this other beer by Dogfish Head for this episode, but I didn't really have time yesterday, and I definitely couldn't run over there today while my wife's at work because I got the kids here. So, right, right. I'll have to hold off until the next episode, I guess. But I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Okay. Keep your secrets. But you can only buy it, at least around me, one bottle at a time. Uh-huh. Oh, that serious, is it? Yeah, buddy. Okay. I've never had it. Is it a big bottle? Like, Arrogant Bastard is a big bottle, and it takes... It, it almost takes too long to get through, in my opinion, because it's... Like a 40. Yeah, like a 40. It's cold, and then by the time you're like... You're getting through it, and you you can't drink all forty ounces at one time, and then it gets warm by the time you're done. Yeah, unless you got a little ice bucket with you. I mean, luckily most forties come with a screw-on cap. You can put it back in the fridge. Yeah, take a few swigs, pop that bitch in the freezer. Yeah. For I don't know, go take a poop, then you come back mm-hmm. out, nice and cold. My dog is snoring. Twenty ounces to a poop. You got the dog with you tonight. Today? Today. Yeah, I do. But I didn't want him down here snoring. Wake up, you... Wake up. (laughs) (laughs) That's just what we need. A snoring pooch. Look, after all we went through, a little snoring in the background. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's the least of our problems. That's fine. So if you hear some noises, it's not me farting. It's my dog snoring. Perfect time for me to rip a fart. Ooh. So... I was trying to remember how we ended the last episode. Mm, me and I'm too. pretty sure it was right right as Tom Gorman and Tad, I guess the, the wife was there too, they had just shot the wolf and it was running off. No, they. we did the whole tracking thing, I think. Oh, did we go all the way to the river and stuff and it's just... Yeah, yeah, for sure. So everything was gone. Yeah, so the the whole wolf incident I think we got through. Okay. Cool. So I was looking up. I wanted to get a whole big, bigger, clear picture of this whole thing. Because we got through the wolf incident, and I was trying to figure out where that whole area would be compared to... Um, like, they, they followed the wolf all the way through the woods, and they went for a while. And they got to a, that river. Remember what that river was called? Headed toward the creek. I don't. So they must not have gone that far, but I was for sure. Sh- I was sure that they went some miles in following that. Didn't they go like three miles or something? Yeah. I remember them saying something about miles, but... Uh, they trudged the miles back to the homestead. Okay. Okay. And then, I think it was right after that or some... Whatever it was in the story. They started talking about the Buffalo Soldiers. And the Buffalo Soldiers are uh, the... The black soldiers that were part of the Indian Wars. I guess none of that's really politically correct. But they were called the Buffalo Soldiers because the Native Americans thought their hair resembled that of the tufts of hair on the top of buffaloes. That was one of the reasons they were referred to as the Buffalo Soldiers. Yep. Hey, man. The Native Americans, they they weren't playing around. They were were honest. (laughs) 
that's what they thought, and so that's what they went with. And you know what? Those those soldiers, they just took to it. They were fine with it. But the reason I'm bringing them up is because there was a, an incident at Fort Duchesne. Is that how you pronounce that? I think it's Duchesne. Duchesne. Yeah. Oh, excuse me for trying to pronounce it phonetically. Come on, you cracker. <laughs> <laughs> what a cracker you is. Stuff went down in Fort Duchesne. There's not enough letters in there for that. Anyway. It's like Brett Favre. Brett Favre. That last name doesn't make sense. No. It's impossible. <laughs> Literally impossible. The R comes after the V. But it's Favre. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But he was a gunslinger. It should at least be Favor. Yeah. Brett Favre. Oh, hey. Yeah, give that to the commentators trying to say shit real fast. That's probably what happened. Just one of them screwed it up really bad, and he was like, all right, I'm Favre. <laughs> Brett Fart! Oh. You know he got that in school. Brett Fart. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And then he started playing football. Like, make fun of me now. Throw a football in your eye. And he could throw that ball hard, too. <laughs> so the Buffalo Soldiers were part of the uh, Indian Wars, the Native Americans hiccup there, in the late 1800s. The hiccup. <laughs> That's yeah. a slight mistake. <laughs> That's what it was. No big deal. It's fine. You guys good? We'll give you some land. <laughs> you mean the land you took from us? No, it's it was it was ours. You gave it to us. It's in the treaty. Look, we'll give you this uh, hollow here too, and we'll just throw a shitload of bottles in it. <laughs> but that's what I'm getting at. All these places are so close to each other. Uh, Fort Duchesne, the when they when all the wars were happening, the Buffalo soldiers that were killed during the war, they were buried in the area of Fort Duchesne, and so there is one theory that floats around that it's a little backwards as to uh, theories of other things. Like when you bury, if you start building stuff on a Native American burial ground, then you get cursed by the Native Americans, right? Yeah. But this legend says that they were, the Buffalo soldiers were buried in or near areas in Fort Duchesne. And so maybe... They are the ones haunting the whole area. Fort Duchesne is only three miles from Skinwalker Ranch. It's only three miles from Skinwalker Ranch? It's only three miles, dude. I did not know that. Did they say that in a book? No. I, I looked that up. I looked up Fort Duchesne compared to Skinwalker Ranch, and I got it up on the map, and you go directly south of Fort Duchesne for a couple of miles, and then you go west for about a mile to get to Skinwalker Ranch. Damn, man. I did not know that. So let me read this passage for you from, from the book, Hunt for the Skinwalker. Quote, The soldiers of Fort Duchesne became Freemasons because of an emancipated slave named Prince Hall, who emigrated from England to America and established African Lodge No. 1 in Boston on July 3rd, 1776. Certainly a precipitous moment in American history. Yep, you heard that right, Elijah. They were also Freemasons. Yeah, when, when I started this book, I said, okay, I know what it's about. I know roughly about what's going to happen because most people know about the story of Skinwalker Ranch. I had no idea Freemasons were going to come up. No. There was so much that came up. I'm like, am I listening to the same book? 
This was supposed to be Skinwalkers. We're four chapters into whole all other kinds of stuff. Actually, I gotta be. That is one gripe I have with this book, is how much he bounces. He kind of bounces around. Yeah, it's not very chronological. No, there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of information, but you can get lost really quick if you're not paying attention because oh, he goes yeah. from this to back in history. Then he goes to what Nids is doing to something that happened in Brazil. And like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, I get we need to have a little like, I don't know, footnotes or something. Historical context, uh, maybe. But in the middle of it? It's almost like he's trying to validate what's happening at Skinwalker Ranch by saying, oh, and this happened too. Not here, but close. So, yeah, so that makes sense for Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> right. Uh, it, dude was just throwing all sorts of stuff into the whole whole book. Because so, he got just just a hair into Freemasonry. Ritual practicing, uh, some sort of spiritual kind of stuff going on, some kind of witchery stuff. Yeah, we need to do an episode on them, but... An episode. Well, he definitely <laughs> didn't do a lot on the Masons. It was almost... It seemed to me like it was just a paragraph. Yeah. Obviously, if he went into detail, it would take up too much time. Yeah, that, it would be an encyclopedia of all this crap. Mm-hmm. It says, although there are disputes about the legitimacy of this account, that the um, Buffalo soldiers were part of the Freemasons, Prince Hall Lodges quickly multiplied in the new nation. One of those lodges was established in Texas in the mid-1800s, which is where it intersected with attachments of the 9th and 10th Cavalry, the Buffalo soldiers. A few decades later, the Masonic seeds that had been planted by that frontier lodge in Texas found their way to a remote corner of Utah. The Utes who live in Fort Duchesne today are very familiar with the stories about the Buffalo Soldiers and their interest in Freemasonry. A patch of ground that once was designated as a graveyard for the Buffalo Soldiers has since been covered over with houses built for Ute tribe members. And that's where things began connecting to our story, finally. Uh, a former former tribal police officer said, quote, The one right at Turnkey, there is supposed to be a graveyard right in there. But still, they built houses. When they built apartments, they built them right over top of that graveyard. Black soldiers, mostly black soldiers in there. My grandmother told me about that years ago. The tale reeks of irony. After decades of spooky Hollywood stories about greedy Caucasians building housing developments over Indian burial grounds, thus unleashing hostile Native American poltergeists bent on revenge, is it possible that Indian opportunists may have disturbed the spirits of dead African American soldiers who, in life, were steeped in mystical arts, which yeah. <laughs> is only three miles from the ranch? It's pretty funny. It is pretty ironic. Yeah. And between, so if you got Fort Duchesne, you go south for about three or so miles, and then you go west for about a mile or so, setting in that in that L shape, that backwards L shape, is Bottle Hollow Reservoir. Okay, I'm trying. I'm just trying. I'm sitting here. I'm trying to picture it. So almost at the top, like you got the Fort Duchesne at the top of your index finger, if you, and then if you're making an L with your right hand, Fort Duchesne at the top of your index finger. Then you got uh, Skinwalker Ranch at the tip of your thumb if you're making a backwards L with your right hand. Mm -hmm. and you make the full square, so on the opposite corner, 
is about where Bottle Hollow Reservoir sits. And there's all sorts of crazy shit going on there, too. So I can't remember when the soldiers and when they were leaving and heading back to Fort Duchesne, where were they leaving from? I can't. They said it in the book. Where were they leaving from to go back to Fort Duchesne? Yeah, when they passed Bottle Hollow, they were leaving. Basically, it was uh, a town not governed by any laws at all. Oh, yeah. Um, that was... I had that pulled up. I have it in my notes somewhere. I just... I got... It's hard to <laughs> sort through 20 pages of notes here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here we go. You got it? Uh, Congress designated uh, a 7,000-acre Ute territory public domain which inadvertently made it not under any law enforcement control, which caused brothels and saloons to pop up everywhere. So it was basically just a town, sort of. Right. Like a 7,000-acre territory. Who was the famous outlaw that cruised through there? Butch Cassidy? Is that the one? I think so. Oh, yeah. Butch Cassidy and LZ Lay. Head out in the Strip once no lawmen had jurisdiction there. Yeah, but the so the soldiers, they go from Fort Duchesne... And they're like, hey, fuck, let's go get some some booze, oh, yeah. uh, some prostitutes, or, you know, <laughs> if I'm being PC, sex workers, I don't know what the term is. Uh, since there was no law enforcement, they were like, fuck it, let's go. Mm-hmm. On their way back to Fort Duchesne, that's when they passed the, that ravine, and they would just throw their empty bottles. And at one point, there were so many damn bottles in it that they just named it Bottle Hollow. Right. <laughs> and then in 1970, 1970, like not, I mean, 50 years ago, but it doesn't seem like that long ago. No, you could say 1970 today and you're like, oh, that wasn't that long ago. But dude, it's, this is 2020. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the federal government authorized the construction of a reservoir in partial payment for the diversion of tribal waters. And now Bottle Hollow is mostly covered with water. That's one of the curses, too. Did you know that? No. When they, in you know, all the treaties and crap were going on, the Utes cursed an area of land. That's, they said, if we, if this area dries up, if we leave this area, this area will dry up. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And sure shit. It happened. Those sneaky bastards. Those damn Utes drying up the land. <laughs> what do we ever do to them? Aspen Times, that's the one. Uh, I gotta, I gotta... Read the, read a little bit down on this thing, because this, this is a very interesting. The Ute Indian Curse. Almost 150 years ago, the Ute Indians are said to have placed a curse on the Crystal River Valley because of a broken promise, forever dooming to failure the white man's pursuit in the area. The Crystal Valley, it's in uh, Colorado, was one of the last drainages left to the Ute Indians when places like Aspen, Glenwood Springs, and Meeker were settled by miners and ranchers. According to, um, I think this is a book, Marble, Colorado, City of Stone, by Dwayne Vanderbush and Rex Myers, Utes and local settlers signed an agreement in 1860 for the Utes to remain in the lush Elk Mountains as long as the rivers ran and the grasses grew. But precious metals were discovered in the valley in the 1870s, and the Indians were asked to leave. The book claims that Indians attempted to burn the valley before they were placed on a reservation. When asked why they were setting fires, Chief Colorado of the local Ute tribe cursed the valley, saying that anything the white man did in the future would be destined to failure. 
It's generally believed there's plenty of evidence that while the white man did prosper with the marble quarry, there were many hard times, says Sue McAvoy, caretaker of the Redstone Castle and local tour guide. There was once a huge avalanche that wiped out the entire town and other times when the owners of the marble operations were killed. McAvoy takes the story a step further, noting that in 1882, John Cleveland Osgood began to build his local coal empire, which his widow ultimately lost in a stock buyout to John D. Rockefeller. So not only did he die building his coal empire, she then lost the whole place in a stock buyout to John D. Rockefeller. It was the pinnacle of his career, and Redstone was a showpiece of prosperity, but ultimately it was all lost. She says, Osgood operated the coal mines near Redstone for just 10 years after spending millions of dollars on housing, a school, and a store for his workers, not to mention his own 42-room mansion. It was a large industrial complex, McAvoy says. A lot of books talk about Chief Colorado and about his ghost coming back here because his wife was buried in the Crystal Valley. You just don't play any games, man. Don't don't upset the youths. They'll curse you to, to no end. Not to like make fun of them, but they sound like a... Like a bitter ex-girlfriend. Oh. You know? <laughs> I mean... But like one that you like, you know, you attacked and uh, like you killed her family and stuff like that. Well, I mean, yeah, I'd be kind of bitter too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've had generations and generations of people in this land and then all of a sudden these European people show up. It's it's ours now, son. We just come in, we just kick the flap of the teepee open. <laughs> Get on out of here. They grab the headdress off of the chief. Ugh. They just start making pens out of all the feathers. Like, here, John. <laughs> here, Mark. Here, David. John, Mark, and David. What else we got? Oh. Luke, Paul. All oh, those. George. He's in there. Yeah. Oh, here we go. The curse continues, actually. Even the post-Osgood oh, history of the Redstone Castle has been tumultuous. Over the years, the castle has bounced back and forth from owner to owner as a bed and breakfast a spa, and a venue for cocktail parties and weddings. In 2000, which was, like, real recently in history. That's still 20 years ago. It's still 20 years ago. That's crazy. Blows my freaking mind. I will have my 20th <laughs> high school graduation, or anniversary. Yeah, high school graduation anniversary. It'll be, that's it, this year. Whoa. 20 years, dude. Three years after they bought the place in 2000, they bought it for $6 million. Three years later, after an extensive investigation, the IRS seized the castle. Investors in the Hearts Tranquil Op Options, LLC, claimed the Hearts had promised returns but instead used their money to buy the lavish castle. The curse continues. Hmm. That's what curses work, man. Don't play around. It's, it'll just keep on happening. It's the land. So if the land is cursed, just stay away. Don't buy a $6 million castle on the land. I wonder if you can dig down deep enough to where that land isn't cursed, <laughs> you know? Like, maybe it just affects the topsoil. So they're cursed? Like, that's the stipulations of the curse. It will only affect six miles from the surface up and the surface down. We go a little bit deeper. We take a little valley in there. We're going to be all right. That's why the military started digging underground. That's why they started putting bases underground. Oh, my God. Because they can't curse that low. <laughs> Simba, everything you see that the sun touches is our kingdom. <laughs> Everything the light touches is cursed. What about... But if you dig down... What about what? Yeah, what about, what about below the land? What about... I wonder if you dig and then the light touches it... It's now cursed? 
It's cursed. So you got to dig like diagonal holes from north to south, though. That way the sun doesn't go in. Yeah. It's all coming together. So like, is there a period of time? Can you, let's break this down a little bit. You dig down, you got all your stuff. And as long as the light's not touching it, when you dig, you cover it up real quick when the light's out. You keep digging at night. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you just dig at night, and you don't have to worry about it. Man, loopholes. I didn't even know curses had loopholes. We're basically lawyers at this point. <laughs> We're just jumping through loopholes, figuring this out. Like that. Yeah. You can't curse you us if we dig the hole at night. In fact, we made up that entire story about the light touching the ground. We're just going off on a tangent about a tangent that we brought up. You want to talk about skinwalkers anymore? <laughs> just want to. Uh, I don't remember what. I don't remember all we said about skinwalkers. To be honest with you, do you? Did we talk about how they become skinwalkers? How the witches become skinwalkers? I don't think so. Well. To become a skinwalker, a witch must kill a sibling or other relative. Or or watch them be killed. Wasn't that one of the things, too? You have to be present and watch them be killed? I thought they had to kill them. I thought maybe I read that, too. Because I know between the book and Dawn's separate, separate research, there was a couple things that were not crystal clear. Well, I, I mean, like a lot of <laughs> cryptid-type stuff. <laughs> I would call a skinwalker a cryptid. Yes? No? Um, yeah, p- probably. But they do have like a basis in... Th- they started out as humans, right? If they're real, yes. So, I, yeah, I guess they're like a... But a werewolf is a cryptid, correct? True. So they're human sometimes and they're a uh, werewolf other times. Okay. Yeah. Skinwalkers are cryptid. And we're, and we're breaking this down. Not all scientists believe in the story of skinwalkers, uh, but they do. This is weird. They said it in a book. They do understand that the power of belief among Native Americans manifests itself in ways that are very real. What's that tell you? Well, it sounds like a a tulpa. What? Come on, we talked about tulpas before, (laughs) dude. Probably. It's it's like a a thing that kind of like Slenderman. It wasn't a thing. And then more and more people started believing uh, it. Yeah. Now it could possibly be a thing. Like we manifest, we create that in our mind as a collective. If we all collectively believe it, it's true. It happens. That is something that a lot of people, a lot of things that I've read, heard, watched on this whole Skinwalker Ranch thing, there are several beliefs of that's what's happening. It's a a collective psychosis in a sense, I guess, but everybody's coming together and be like, yeah, that's what happened at this time. I mean, this is what we're seeing. I, You go in thinking you're not going to see anything. And you're like, well, what if this person really did see this thing? Oh my God, there's that thing. Okay. So the, I the lights in the sky, the random lights in the sky. And you're like, okay, well, I'm probably going to feel like this at some point. And like this dude felt like this, felt this way at some point this guy got a little queasy one time when he was coming climbing down in the hole and i'm probably going to feel that way yep all right i'm climbing down the hole yep i feel that way oh man my phone just died the battery just died 
Your battery died too? Oh, man. It's like a collective psychosis or a collective, like, manifestation of thoughts all at once. I thought you were literally saying, whoa, that's weird. My phone battery just died. <laughs> no. And I was like, they're definitely trying to silence us. <laughs> if mine died while it was plugged into the turbocharger, we're going to have a problem. It's turbo time. <laughs> turbo time. Uh, but later, actually, I think it was just a little bit past that. Uh, what they actually mean was it can have a direct effect on a person's health and well-being. So it manifests itself in very real ways because if they all believe in a skinwalker, they're going to be stressed out. They're going to be, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, and then stress can lead to other health issues. That's actually what they meant by that. So you're stressed out, like you, you just it just leads to more and more stress being there. Yeah, I mean, they say the power of belief among Native Americans manifests itself in ways that are very real. So the belief in skinwalkers can manifest itself into fear, uh, paranoia, stress. Uh, diarrhea. I don't know. Nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea. Like a placebo? No. Not really. If I believe next week an asteroid's gonna hit, it's really gonna affect my well-being. True. Yours personally. And are you gonna, like, somehow manifest that and... Not manifest it, but, like, uh, influence... It's going to physically affect me. Yeah, but will your physical effect influence others' physical effects? Possibly. No, but if others believe the same thing, it may also physically affect them. When a whole tribe believes in the skinwalker, then they're very, they're, you know, they're walking, they're suspicious. Like, well, are you a skinwalker? Of everybody. Oh, we should get into that. Yeah. There's some, uh, with a great power comes great responsibility type stuff. After the break. We need to get into what happened at the ranch. With the Gormans? Yeah, do you want to just get into the into that right now and then we'll take a just a late break? Okay, sure. Alright. Wait, get into what? What you just said. Oh. I figure we'll do that after the break. Oh, okay. But you were saying with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. You want me to say that now and do a late break and then we'll get into ranch stuff? Yeah. Okay. Oh, actually, real quick, a couple more things about skinwalkers. At night, their eyes glow red. If you see the face of one, they have to kill you. If you see one and know who it is, they will die. If you see one and don't know them, they have to kill you to keep you from finding out who they really are. Yeah. How freaking... That's bonkers. That's uh, out there. It actually seems like a slightly more risky game of Russian roulette to me. More risky <laughs> than putting a gun with a bullet in the chamber and one of the, you know, in, in the cylinder. More dangerous than that. Like, I would just not look at anybody. Just always keep my eyes to the ground. Like, ah, because I don't want to see one, you know? Do you think it would be that, it, it would be at that level? Like, you see it from a distance away? Because you can see for a while on that ranch. It's it, it's a pretty good distance, a couple hundred yards or so. Do you think at that point, like, all of a sudden it'd just be like, <gasps> he saw me, he must die. Maybe if if you saw one and then knew it was one, 
You know what I mean? Is they going to know? Like, is it is there some sort of telepathy going on there? Look, the fucking thing, it, it's it's people who can turn into coyotes and shit. Like, they, I'm sure they, they probably have some other senses. They're like, yo, that motherfucker just saw me. He knows what I am. Time to die. Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we did not even say the uh the Navajo word for Skinwalker in the previous episode. I know I meant to. I'm pretty sure we didn't. I can't even remember what the word is. Ye nal douchey. <laughs> douchey. <laughs> Do- ye nal douchey? Ye nal douchey. That's what it is. And here, you you figure out how you want to pronounce it. Y-E-E is the first word. And the second word, N-A-A-L-D-L-O-O-S-H-I. And in some cases, I saw a second I. Y-E-E-N-A-A-L-D-L-O-O-S-H-I-I. I couldn't even follow it. <laughs> I was like, what, what? Well, ye now douchey, so. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like like a Shakespeare insult. Ye now douchey. <laughs> to be or not to be douchey. Hey. Oh, we, uh, you, we don't say that around here, Billy Shakes. That's the question, you know? That is the question. <laughs> do or do not douchey. What? Do or not? Do or d- <laughs> do. but that literally translates to by means of it it goes on all fours cool right yeah the pueblo people apache and hopi also have their own legends involving a skinwalker some traditions believe that skinwalkers are born of a benevolent medicine man who abuses indigenous magic for evil so that's where the gray power gray responsibility the medicine men and the shamans have to they have to study all this stuff so so as to help people who are in need of whatever ailment all the ailments the whole spectrum of ailments you can possibly think of yeah so in the process of studying and ha- and figuring out how to heal these ailments dealing with these ailments in their tribes they find out how to use these particular powers become aware of these powers be in tune with these powers so it's either be the the angel on the shoulder or the devil on the shoulder saying don't use these powers use what use your knowledge of these powers to heal people who are in an ailment of uh, these things or the devil on the shoulder Use these powers. You must have these powers. Abuse these powers for your own needs. Yeah. And wants. Wow. Isn't that cool? I don't know. Is it cool? I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know if I don't know if I call it cool. <laughs> but just being in in uh, possession of the idea of these powers. You're you're holding all this potential cor- curse. Well, it's potential energy to do your bidding to become this thing. You sound like like Anakin Skywalker before. Wasn't it Anakin oh. who turned into Darth Vader? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what you sound like. Like, you have all this power, and now you're 
you got to decide if you want to go to the to the dark side or not. Exactly. Exactly. Do you want to be the medicine man that heals everybody in the village, or do you want to become? Well, that would be the Jedi. That'd be Qui Gon Jinn. That would be Obi Wan Kenobi, who lives in a desert by himself. Dumbass. Or do you want to become <laughs> Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader? Do you want Force lightning? Do you want to be able to push people out of the thing in Cloud City? What do you want? Me? Yeah. Ah! There's a child that showed up. I got to be honest with you, dude. I think I'm going to be Darth Vader. <laughs> you ha- you hold all that power. Or you're going to be old Ben Kenobi just chilling in the desert watching Luke grow up. Yeah, I'm going to be Darth Vader and I'm taking shit over. <laughs> and the one person says something wrong to me. I hold my hand up. I crush his windpipe. Boom. That's it. Yeah, anyone else want to talk shit? I didn't think so. And then there's the other problem. You're only like a torso and a head. You got to get all the robot parts and all that. Sign me up. Transhumanism. Let's do it. (laughs) So there you go. So you're just the old guy sitting in a corner smoking a peace pipe, waiting for the next person to be sick. Or you are the skinwalker and you're running amok. I don't know, traipsing through dimensions. What's happening? I would probably be a skinwalker if it didn't require you to, like, kill somebody. Kill your brother, your sibling? Yeah. Or watch them be murdered in front of you? Yeah, I couldn't do that, man. But, like, all that power would be dope, you know? Yeah. Better take a break and let people process that. Yep. I would rather be a skinwalker, and we'll see you after the break. Come on down to Skinwalker Ranch, where we got all the skins and the walkers and the helicopters and the crazy lights and the portals. That's right. You heard me right. Portals. What is happening with these portals out here? Well, there's shit coming out of them, dude. (laughs) (laughs) This place is insane. I would love to just experience anything. I want to stand out there with six people and look up like, why is that light there? It's the middle of the day. That's not a star. What is happening? If even, I'm going to say even a quarter of it is true, it's outrageous. Uh, yes, absolutely. If even 25% of this stuff is, is, is true to form what it is. Holy crap. There was poltergeist activity. I think that was some of the first shit they dealt with aside from the wolf, right? You mean, you said Poltergeist, but, man, Poltergeist makes me think of hauntings, but the Gormans, I, that's their fake name, the Shermans, Gormans, however you want to break that name down, um, didn't, they experience stuff just like disappearing, moving, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, it's Poltergeist-like activity. Ellen, she thought it was her kids playing pranks. It would happen like a couple times a week, this shit. Yeah. A couple times a week. That's a lot. And then one day, Tom stormed in. Or it was one evening. He stormed in saying, someone better tell him where his post hole digger was. Because he's like, yo, I put it down. I went to my truck. And when I got back, this bitch was gone. And also, the tool weighed 70 pounds. Yeah. So, me today, I would kind of struggle with 70 pounds. I'm like, this is a stupid prank. All right, I moved to five feet. It's behind the truck. Fuck this. 
you're not taking it far because you're like, this is not worth it for a prank. <laughs> no, no. Not happening. Another time he stormed in asking about his pliers that he put on a fence post, turned around for just a moment, and then they were gone. And then after that, Ellen was like, hey, uh, hey, Tommy, you know, we got some weird stuff going on in the house, too. And that's when he perked up, like, oh, my God, I fought with everybody for all these things. Yeah. I came in looking like a raving lunatic. Where's my post hole digger? Here you are. You're missing just some salt. What's the matter with you? Why don't you tell me you're missing the salt? Well, she she dealt with some weird shit, dude. Like, I'm pretty sure she came home one day with groceries. She, like, put it all away or something like that, right? And then when she came back into the kitchen, they were all, like, back out or something like that. They were all back in the bags. Yeah, yeah. I would lose my stuff, dude. I'd be like, I just put this, you know, just put stuff back in a bag. Or you would think you were going crazy. Like, did I put that away? Yeah. I mean, okay. I get a little absent-minded sometimes. I'll walk from one room to another and be like, oh, why am I in here again? Hold on. I gotta stay in there a second. And no, it wasn't that thing. No. So I gotta, like, go back into the other room and realize, oh, well, yeah. I needed I needed some socks, and I go back in the other room. I'm in here, you know that kind of thing. I think everybody deals with that, but <laughs> you would know if you put your groceries away. I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, another one. Tom, I guess Tad had some friends over, and Tom had these big pipes outside, all stacked up, and he was like, "Dad, I need you and your friends. You boys go move in pipes." I, I don't know where he wanted to move to, but they went. They're like, yes, Paul. They went and they moved these pipes to wherever. It took them like four hours, five hours, I don't, however long. And then Tom comes in or he like gets home and he's like, these little bastards didn't do what I told them to do. And he comes in the house and he's like, yo guys, what the hell? You didn't do it. And the (laughs) the kids were like, yo dude, we did do it. I don't know what's going on, but we did it. They were upset because they're like, we worked four, five, six hours, whatever it is, on moving those pipes. They were big pipes. Yeah. And then they went out to the pipes, and the pipes weren't exactly where they were before because they were indents in the ground from these big pipes. The pipes were next to that. So, I don't know. Could the boys just be fucking around? Like, they they knew what was going on a little bit, and they were like, let's just move these over and just say, oh, we did it. We'll just mess with Dad. We'll just mess with Dad. We'll, we'll throw him over in this hole. We did it, but uh, I don't know. There's a, it's a bunch of weird shit. Now, old Tommy, he did find his post digger later on. He sure did. But problem was, he found it 20 feet up in a tree. And remember, we said that... <laughs> It weighed 70 pounds. Yeah, 70-pound post digger in a tree. You can't just, you don't just hold that on one arm and climb up a tree with the other arm. Yeah, like, if you put it on a lower branch that's, like, five foot off the ground, that might be more plausible than going climbing 20 feet up a tree. Yeah, dude. You're not in a strongman competition. You're just playing a prank. Right. And, oh, Tad's a kid. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could, I guess you could probably... Bench press, or not just bench press, but like put seventy pounds in your back and lift it up and put it over there. Well, it would have to. I mean, dude is not going to climb a 
tree at the same time. It would be like a like a lat pull down or a pull up with seventy pounds hanging from you. Seventy extra, extra pounds. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope, that's not gonna happen. So how in the blue hell did Tom's seventy pound post digger get twenty feet in a tree? Bigfoot. Oh that guy. <laughs> Oof. I don't know. <laughs> No, man, Bigfoot's cool. I don't think he's going to be doing all that. Surprisingly, they didn't have any Bigfoot experience here, did they? No, I don't think they had anything that seemed like Bigfoot here. It was just a lot of, like, skinwalker. Just the one thing that really kind of puts me in in the headspace of it was kind of all in their heads. No humans got harmed. Right. But the cattle did get harmed. Other living beasts did get harmed. They never stopped any of these things from happening. They just lived with these things happening. The cattle got slaughtered in super-duper weird ways. Yeah, but... So, even if it was all in their head, the you know the lights and all that shit, it doesn't explain for the mutilations. Exactly. Like, the, the precision involved with... You know, the the slicing of the ears with surgical precision. It's clearly a slice, they said. Like, it was not bitten off by a predator. The draining of the blood and the organs. Yeah, the absolute disappearance of the blood. It didn't just drain out into the ground. You would see that. It was just gone. Right. So, I tend to lean towards it wasn't in our heads. But, I don't know. What was that thing, um, what happened? Tom and Ellen were coming back from somewhere, and Ellen actually made the comment about the bulls. Yeah. And she's like, oh, and, you know, we got these bulls. You know, everything's been okay. Then all of a sudden, the bulls are gone. Well, she said, basically, like, I don't know what we would do without these bulls. You know, like, basically, the bulls are their whole life. Yeah, they put a lot. They're gone. Ellen said wistfully, I would go out of my mind if I lost any of those animals. Tom nodded in agreement as they drove west on the narrow dirt track past the corral. Forty-five minutes later, they drove back. All the animals seemed to be accounted for, yet they could not shake that nagging feeling of unease. And that's when Ellen screamed and pointed out the windshield. Tom hit the brakes. The corral was empty. Each of those four registered bulls was worth thousands of dollars. They were irreplaceable. Tom looked into Ellen's tear-stained face. They stopped the truck by the empty corral and got out to search for some evidence that the four magnificent animals could have left behind. They were just gone. They were gone. They were not in the corral. And that you put all that time and effort into those animals, and now they are just gone. And they had just seen them there, too, right? Yeah, 45 minutes earlier. They they drove by them and said, there they are. Look at those magnificent beasts that we have in our possession. My goodness, if something happened to those, we would be in dire straits. Ellen was like, look at the size of those balls. <laughs> and Tom's like, you mean balls? Yeah, that's what I meant to say, Tom. <laughs> Such fine reprodu- reproducing organs. You mean organisms. The bulls are <laughs> organisms. Yeah, that's what I meant, Tom. They're like two grapefruits. You mean four peas in a pod. <laughs> yep. 
I'm all the rails, dude. Ellen's kinky. She's a little out there. Oof. Those farm animals. There's Tom. He's worried about some dumbass dire wolf running out into the river. He kicked the shit out of that thing. <laughs> he shot it so many times. And Direwolf's just like, all right, fine. I won't, I won't take your baby cow. Whatever. He physically assaulted it. He went over and was punching it in the ribs and shit. <laughs> it's a six-foot wolf. Punched it. Kicked it. Shot it a couple times with one gun. Grabbed another gun. Shot it a few more times. And, and Wolf's just like, Hook. all right, dude. All right. Fine. I'm going. Tom and Tad, just follow it. I mean, they're apparently from Michigan, but it sounds like he's straight up from Texas. Yeah, yeah. I guess Michiganers don't take any shit either. I guess not. I mean, maybe he was from Detroit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, oh, early Detroit. Mm-hmm. But don't you worry, ladies and gentlemen. Old Tom and Ellen found their cattle. They found their bulls. Where'd they find them? In just some trailer, which had no business having four bulls jammed in this trailer. Yeah, I think it said that when they found them, like, they were like, how the fuck did even, they, how'd they even get four bulls in here? Yeah, though, four bulls do not want to be in such close proximity to each other. Four bulls probably don't want to be in the same uh, farm as someone else. They just want to be mounting heifers, dude. Yeah, dude. They, They want 20 heifers to themselves, and they just want their own pen with all those heifers. Yeah. So, four in one trailer where they're just, you know, they're like sardines in a can. Just jammed up against each other. But when they found them, they were all catatonic. They were barely conscious. They were just kind of frozen standing there. But then when Tom banged on the side of the trailer, it sort of it sort of woke them up and eh, they weren't too happy about being next to each other like that. It was like they were hypnotized almost. You know when somebody's hypnotized, they're just kind of glaring off? Yeah, they're just in this trance. Yeah. I've never been hypnotized. I don't know what it's like. You know, you can see all this stuff on TV. But I'm pretty sure that's not an easy task for a bull. To be hypnotized? Yeah. I wouldn't think so. No. Much less four of them in that time span. And to control them into this one trailer, they jammed them all together and they went in this one trailer. When old Tommy woke them up, though, they weren't happy. They began kicking and bellowing to get out of the narrow, confined space. Man, man, they got out. Within seconds, the four huge animals went berserk and devastated the interior of the trailer. Now, was this like a cattle trailer or was it a trailer like a a live-in trailer? That's what I couldn't quite understand from... From this text. Yeah, I mean, they just call it a trailer. There's a ton of different trailers. There's a double wide. There's a single wide. Push your lawnmower up on it? Yeah. Three foot high size, that's it? What's going on? Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure what kind of trailer this was, but they they destroyed it. Well, they couldn't couldn't see him at first, so it must have been some sort of enclosure. Some total enclosure to get them... So that Tom and Ellen could not see them at all. Yeah, so it almost sounds like an enclosed trailer you would use for, like, your lawn mowing equipment. You know, like... Yeah. Or, you know, some companies, they have their riding mowers in the enclosed trailer so nobody steals it and it doesn't... 
Rain doesn't get on it. Sorry about that. Did you hear that? Yeah, I did hear that. I was moving my phone, but it was plugged in. Uh, so those trailers are fully enclosed. There's no windows, nothing. So it almost sounds like they were in something similar to that. Because a cattle trailer you can see in and out of. Yeah. But also keep in mind this was some years ago. 80s, 90s? No, it had to be 90s because they bought it in 94. True. Yeah, true. So, I mean, cattle trailer technology has advanced in some years. I still think a cattle trailer back then would have been at least bars or had windows. True. They couldn't see them. I guess that's something to keep in mind the most. When they got back to the corral, they could not see them at all. So they were fully enclosed in this trailer, all four bulls in one little trailer together. But anyway, they found them. They were fine. There's a lot more stuff that happened. Yeah, so I guess we can... You want to talk about the RV slash refrigerator craft? Yes. This involves Tom, Tad, and Dave. We haven't told you about Dave yet. Dave out of nowhere. But uh, Tom's 14-year-old nephew, Dave, came to work on the ranch a bit, and Tom made him accompany Tad and himself on an evening stroll. Because Tom was like, you know what, Dave? He's a little bit of a wimp. And he knew he was afraid of the dark. So he's like, come on, boy. Going for a walk. (laughs) And Dave's like, oh, my God. So while on the walk, Tom spotted lights in the distance that he thought was an RV trespassing on his property. And he's like, you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, hell no. Mm-mm. Yeah, so they they see these lights. And he's like, oh, these motherfuckers, there's an RV on my property. Not happening. Oh, no. Hell no. So he was like, come on, guys, let's go get it. So as they got closer to the lights, the lights began to move away from them. As it, like the lights knew they were coming, which is weird. It was dark unless he heard, heard him yelling like, come on, boys, let's get him. <laughs> uh, so they began to, to like jog after the lights. And then when that happened, the lights smoothly started to move away. So if this was an RV, it's not going to smoothly move away from them. Be a little bit bumpy. Yeah, it's gonna be bouncing all over the place. Then the lights then rose a few feet off the ground. Uh, no, that's not okay for an RV. Yeah, I don't think so. It's like the Back to the Future car. Where we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs> off to twenty fifteen. <laughs> so as they. They continued to chase it, and they were coming up to the end of the property, and Tom's like, oh, we got these motherfuckers now. We got them. Because there there was a large barbed wire fence. Uh, And then he, he, you know, he was like, he was falling behind because the boys were younger and in better shape than he was. And he heard the boys gasp like, the vehicle was in the air and steadily climbing to the top of the 50-foot tree line. I've never seen an RV do that. Uh, no. Nope. I've seen some RVs, but they don't just go vertical. No. So, once it got higher, they could then, uh, they saw the shape, and it resembled a refrigerator, and it made no sound. Well, got some RV to refrigerator. Yeah. They kind of messed me up, and while I was listening to it, I'm like, they were just talking about an RV a second ago. Are we talking about a refrigerator now? I guess the lights resemble RV lights. And then when they saw the shape of it, they were like, you know what, that 
It looks like a refrigerator. <laughs> so I don't know. So they ended up they they went home and that was kind that was kind of it for the night. And then I guess I don't know if it was the next day or what, but Dave was like, "F this, I'm out of here." And uh, Dave's parents told the Gormans that he would not be returning to see his cousins as long as they lived there. Good on you, Dave's parents. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, a few weeks later, Tom and Ellen, they went for a walk. And then he saw the same, they saw the same craft. And then he, like, he got, this dude, (laughs) he's not afraid of shit. Because he got, he got angry and he thought to himself, who the hell do they think they are? Like, he doesn't know what it is. But he's like, it doesn't matter. This is my land, motherfucker. Who do you think you are? Oh, you come in here, you think you can just mutilate my cattle? Like yeah. Somebody's about to pay. This is the Gorman Ranch. Go to the Sherman Ranch. <laughs> Wasn't there a... I think today there is... You have the the Skinwalker Ranch, the Adamantium Company, Skinwalker Ranch. Then not far away, there's, a, there's an inn. You can stay at the inn and possibly experience some of the same stuff. At this inn that's located not far from the ranch. Really? Yes. I want to go. Yes. I want to see this shit. It's going to be one of the stops on the Bringing the World World Tour. Yeah. So another thing that Tom saw, he was so he was trying to catch whoever or whatever it was on his property. Um, he could never get close to him. He could only see him in the distance. So one night after a blizzard. He was out walking his property, and he caught something out of the corner of his eye. And he looks over, and it was a 30-foot ship that looked like a snub-nosed, smaller combination of the F-117 and the B-2 bomber. So I looked him up, and I'm like, whoa, that would look pretty dope. Hell yeah, dude. So he said that it, it was no more than 20 foot off the ground. So pretty low. Yeah, yeah. So And I... I don't think, I think he said there was no sound or whatever. But he said it started to move, and as it did so, lights shone on the snow dancing around. He said they were obviously emanating from the craft, but he couldn't tell where they were coming from. So he knew it was coming from the craft, but he didn't see lights on the craft. You know how you would see a spotlight? And you can see what the spotlight's hitting, and you can see where the spotlight's coming from. Yeah but he couldn't see this on the craft. He couldn't see where it was coming from. He was just sure that it was coming from the craft. Yeah. He believed that it was searching for something. Now, if you ask me, it sounds like it was scanning things. And the only reason I say that is the way he said that the lights were dancing around. If you're searching, they're not going to be dancing around. I, I feel like they would... Dan- like they would just be like scanning the all the shit around, you know what I mean? Like boom, tree, yeah, sure. boom, rock, snow, you know. But so he's he's looking at this fucking thing, right? And he was he like he stretched, and his bones cracked. You know, like sometimes I stretch yeah. out my legs and my knee will crack. <laughs> exactly. Suddenly the lights turned off, and the craft was like what? And turned towards him. Oh, no. Tom froze. He didn't make a sound. And then the craft continued beyond the ridge into the night. Like, it just kind of, like, turned. Like, what was that? And then it was like, yeah, I guess it was nothing. 
See that that was one of those stories that made me think this is kind of in their heads. Like he's experiencing this stuff, so because he's thinking like not a placebo, but a kind of controlled dream, controlled hallucination. He he's like, oh, this this is, and somehow in his head, like a dream, you'd be like, okay, pop pop, and that's gonna alert them. And now they know that I'm here. Oh, uh oh, there they go. They knew I'm here. Okay, yeah, I kind of get that because he told Ellen about it afterwards, though. Yeah. And then later on, I I forget how long after it was, but Ellen, she got home from work about six p.m. It was a clear night. She gets home. She opens the gates, pulls up, closes the gates, gets in the car. Then this dark shadow comes over her car. And she's like, what the fuck? It's a clear night. Like, what is it, one cloud? So she looks up, and she sees a large black triangular object pacing her car as she drove down, I don't know if it's a driveway or the road to the driveway. I mean, it's it's a huge ranch, so it's, it's, it's a long road. And she, like, sees this craft, like, hovering, like, following her. The craft was silent with stubby matte black wings, which is what Tom said about his craft. So is it, like you said, is it one of those things where I saw this, whoa, now I'm seeing this. Yeah. It's not a shared hallucination or kind of an influenced hallucination. It's like he put the idea in her head. Yes. He kind of planted the dream, planted the idea. Like Betty and Barney Hill. They said they were abducted by aliens or whatever. And then Barney Hill then said that the aliens, the aliens he described, looked like the aliens who were on a television program that aired just a couple weeks before that. Yeah. So is it like a... You could say it's a hallucination, but then other people experience it, but not at the same time. They experience it at a different time, so it's either a planted hallucination, planted dream, influenced hallucination. It's a placebo, but it's not a placebo. See, I don't know. I I don't know if it would be a hallucination. It seems weird that he told her about it, and then she suddenly saw the same craft? She experienced the same thing after he told her about it. Which is bonkers, for one, but then can it be explained away like that? I mean, she could have honestly just saw the same craft. Yes. Because what sure. el- what else could it have been? She saw a shadow. Could it have been a cloud? I don't think so. No. It's everything about the whole freaking place is crazy. I mean, we haven't even, there's, <laughs> we haven't even scratched the surface. No, it just keeps going and going and going because... Now, what was the Bigelow's guy's name? He doesn't own it anymore, but now it's owned by Adamantium. Robert Bigelow. Robert Bigelow. Or Bob Bigelow, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, him him and Nids, they they studied stuff for a while. Gor- Tom Gorman was still there while Nids was doing the research because he still cared about the cattle. He still wanted the ranch. And stuff still happened. The interesting thing about that is when Nids bought the place, the Gormans were like, 
I'll never step foot on this property again. Get us the fuck out of here. And then they were like, hey, will you come on and uh, maintain the ranch? And he's like, yeah, I guess. I'll be the, <laughs> I'll be the ranch manager. <laughs> right. Should we tell him about the portals? Oh, yes. The portals. There was also an RV incident with Ellen when Tom wasn't home. Maybe we'll let them get this book and read that part themselves. Okay. We could skim over it a little bit, but I highly recommend this book. Maybe not the last chapter or the or the epilogue. The epilogue goes into some dude. I can't believe the places that the epilogue went into. It got weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, go go down the epilogue if you like, because then it'll it'll open up all sorts of other ideas, and then it'll draw you to several several other episodes of the show. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. All right, so th- so this RV thing real quick ellen she's home by herself she's she makes her dinner she then she eats her dinner she's washing dishes and she looks out the window and then she sees like this rv thing in the pasture and she's like what the fuck the interior was very bright and she saw what she described as a desk inside and suddenly this black figure walks into the frame like i don't know if he was like in a different area of the the rv like i don't know how big this thing is and then he sat behind the desk. She was able to make out a black uniform with some sort of headgear. And then out of nowhere, the, fo- the figure stood up and went towards the doorway. And when she judged the size of the being, she said it was huge and likely male. Which I don't... I mean, there's big women. Anyway, she said it was a, like a normal RV doorway. So the being would have to be seven foot tall. But I don't really get that. Like I've I've never seen a an RV doorway that big. Well, a doorway, a typical doorway, and I guess a, a more modern typical doorway is about six ten, six ten and a quarter. So if the creature had to duck under the doorway, yeah, I guess you could guess that they were seven feet plus. Right. So. The being that was standing in the doorway was looking right at her. Somehow, it was looking right at her, even though you can't see. If you're in an RV and all the lights are on in the interior and you're looking out, it's just a dark window. You can't see anything else anywhere. Yeah, you're not really going to see much unless it was a doorway out of the RV. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So she was like, fuck this, shut the drapes, called Tom. And uh, so he decided to immediately head back to the ranch because of, you know, how she sounded. He was like, whoa, she is a wreck. Let me see what's going on. The next morning, they walked to where the vehicle had been located, and there were large footprints in the mud. And the boot prints, almost 18 inches long, dude. That is a big old foot. (laughs) That's a big-ass boot. Yeah, it is. You know what to say about big feet? Big socks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> they do. You got to use more soap for them, too. Can you imagine how much soap Shaq goes through? It's a lot of soap. Just for his feet? And his dick. Oh, I mean, <laughs> all right. So these portals. Uh, So, like I said, we haven't even, we're still just barely scratching the surface of this place. Yes. Uh. 
One of the most common occurrences were the appearance of these orange structures. And they were always, I think they were always in the western sky, right? Is that what it was? They were always in the western. So being in Utah, if they were always in the western towards the sunset, I guess. I mean, that, I guess that makes sense that they would be towards the sunset, but then these portals would just show up any time of day or even in complete darkness. Oh, yeah. It could, be, it could be in darkness because of one that Tom saw. Yeah. So they would appear in the sky and seem to hover low, like about a mile away. So I don't know how low. It just said low. But Tom found the best way he could watch them was the scope of his hunting rifle. And he had this big stump out, you know, out on his property. I guess it must have been a tall stump because he would lean up against it and like kind of watch it with the scope of his rifle. And then he said sometimes the structure looked flattened and elongated and other times it looked like a setting sun, like completely round. But he could look into it like it was some kind of window. Yeah. So in the middle of... The orange mass, he could see dot 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 dot. You ready? What appeared to be another sky. Uh, it was fucking nighttime, dude, and he saw on the other side a daytime sky. Just this blue spot, blue bright spot in the middle of a dark sky. Fuck, for all we know, it could be like a blue sky with some white clouds he could see through this portal, and it's just black there. It's just nighttime. Can you imagine? It's tough. Literally, it's tough for me to imagine that. Just looking up in a dark sky and, you know, I'll see the moon sometimes. I'll see the stars sometimes. But then look up and just see this window of blue sky, this portal. It's just, there's just blue sky, there's clouds, there's stuff happening behind this window. I I would, I I don't know what I would do. And Tom is not, he doesn't believe in all this shit, typically. But then that's when he began thinking, like, oh, this stuff, it could be related to multiple dimensions. Like, this man doesn't believe in this shit. No. Just give me my bulls and my my other cows and let's breed them and, you know, he's a rancher. Yeah, Mother Earth. I'm going to take care of what I got to take care of in the front of my face. This is what I do. I don't need all that other stuff. This is what I'm doing. Just leave me alone. But no, you got to this ranch, and then there's this random stuff just showing up in the sky. Yeah. Science? Fuck that. <laughs> Give me a bull and a few heifers. We're going to be all right. So he was asked to describe the structure, these orange structures. And Tom said it looked different depending on the viewing angle. So he was talking about one day he was leaving his property as one appeared and while he was on that the road that circled his property it became less visible until he reached a point that it was just no longer there at all like he, no longer visible so it's like it's it's on its own plane of existence you can like if you're looking at a window literally you're just looking at a window and you start walking towards that wall if you're outside all right say you're outside your house and you're looking directly at a window, 90 degrees, straight at it. And you start walking around the house, eventually that, physically that window is going to start, the perspective you're getting at, it's going to get thinner and thinner and thinner. And then eventually it's just going to be on that flat plane of that wall that you're you're now parallel with. 
exactly. Yeah. I, I looked at it. I was thinking of it like a piece of paper. You know, you're looking at yeah. a piece of paper and then slowly you're turning it, turning it, turning it to where it's just a, like a little sliver of paper you're seeing. And if you're yeah, far enough invisible. away, it's you don't you don't you don't you don't see it at all. Exactly. So I guess he turned back around and it slowly became visible again. But people on the road who were about a mile away could only see like a faint orangish cloud. So they could kind of see it, but they didn't know what it, it just looked like uh like a a cloud in a setting sun. Yeah, which is illuminated kind of weirdly. Yeah. But if you're if you're close enough to it and you're looking into it, blue skies, clouds, dude. Crazy, man, right? That'd mess me up. So I mean there's there's a lot of mutilations and shit like that. I don't know if we even really want to get into that, right? Mutilations? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people know about them. Yeah, how much? How much can you get into a mutilation? Really? I mean, we've already said it. Sometimes they didn't have their blood. Sometimes they didn't have their eyes. They didn't have their organs. Yeah, one of the like the main ones. Uh, there was a snowstorm. They're out looking for their cows, and he's tracking it through the snow. And then uh, he could tell by the tracks that the the cow was just full speed sprinting. And then. He followed it to a clearing, and then the tracks stopped. But he could tell by the last set of tracks that the cow was still full speed running when the tracks stopped. They just stopped. And it's not like you can just, you can't just pick up a cow and go. Not easily. No, cows are not pick-upable like that. Is that pick-upable? It's, yeah, it is now. I like it. (laughs) It's a bring on a weird word. That's what we should do. We should make a bring on the weird dictionary. Oh, weird words. Just words that we say that aren't words, and we just, <laughs> we just make them <laughs> words. It, it's mainly going to be me, <laughs> but... <laughs> pick-upable. That's one word, not two. Upable is not one word. It's pick-upable. So what about these orbs, dude? You know anything about these orbs? Oh, the orbs. They just, like, terrorize the Gormans. <laughs> yeah. At one point, Tom and Ellen, they're you know they're on their porch, just kicked back, watching their cattle grazing, and Tom was like, "Yeah, these animals, they're a little restless." Then he saw it, a blue orb flying in the tree line next to his horses. Mm-mm. Ellen saw it too. She was like, "What the fuck is that thing? What is that?" It was an intense, intense blue light. So like you see it, you're like, "Whoa!" Well, too bright. Yeah. They watch it come out of the tree line and slowly fire, fly around the head of one of the horses. So, I mean, these things, they're not big. They're not like spaceships. No. They're like, um, I guess it depends on your perspective, but f- like lightning bugs, fireflies. I think they're larger than that. I think that, yeah, yeah, because it says they're two to three times the size of a baseball. Oh, dang. It's like a like a grapefruit. Even bigger than that, I guess. yeah. I mean, still small, like maybe like a, what would it be, between a grapefruit and one of those seedless watermelons, maybe? Okay. But it's still, still small. I mean, that's, it's not a spaceship. Imagine a large, a large, on the large end, a grapefruit. Yeah. It's obviously not a spaceship. It's more like what you would think of a drone. Right. You know, minus the quadcopter shit and all that. So they see it, it's flying around this the head of this horse and he's like what the fuck 
And then abruptly, this thing darted towards the Gormans or Shermans, whatever. And then it hovered 20 feet away from them, about 20 feet off the ground. That's pretty damn close. Yeah. And now it's both of them. It's both of them sitting there experiencing this. It's not like one saw this and the other one's like, what are you doing? You're, you're crazy fool. What are you doing? Yeah. it It's interesting because they, they both got a really good look at it. And he said that the orb had a hard outer shell similar to glass. So it it looks like glass is about two to three times the size of a baseball. And inside of the glass shell swirled this like intense blue substance. So it was almost like a liquid inside of it. I don't know if it's like a propellant or if that was Ooh. the being. I don't know. Okay. But uh, Tom said it seemed to be an almost boiling liquid. So kind of like a simmering not simmering but it's it's kind of churning in there almost like that's the way i picture it okay but they could also hear this uh, this like crackling sound coming from it like static electricity which would kind of make sense to why like the animals were all kind of startled you know what i mean like you'd think they'd be able to sense that yeah yeah you know like the old tvs you turn them off and you hear them Yes, yes. You could rub your hand over it and get all the static electricity off. <laughs> oh, that was a good time. That's how he decals it. <laughs> so Tom said as he watched this object, he became overwhelmed with a very deep visceral fear. That that sounds like a, a shadow person. A shadow person is will do that to you. A shadow person? A demon? Um, a reptilian? I don't fucking know. Right. They feed off of that fear. He said he never, ever felt fear like that. Ever. And this this dude was like in wars, like all kinds of shit. And then once the orb was gone, they didn't feel it anymore. It was just gone. Because Ellen, she felt the same thing, a, a deep visceral fear. I don't, I don't know how I could. I know they put all their life into the ranch, but then after something like that just turned you inside out, you just completely fearful of the whole thing. How can you just be like, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> ready? Are you ready for bed? Yeah. Let's go to bed. Come on. Well, two hours later, you know, they're trying to recover from it and they're in their living room. I guess they're watching TV or whatever. And then they see this fucking thing like, floating by their out their window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Here we go again. Yeah, and they're probably like, oh, shit. Like, I, I just about forgot about it. <laughs> and then the lights in the house, like, dimmed as the orb floated by. And then as it, like, floated off into the distance, all the lights came back to normal. Oh, it was, just char- it was charging up. Yeah. It was pulling some of the, the, uh, the radiant energy. Nobody's going to believe them. <sighs> no, it, it's got to be hard to believe this, right? Yeah, this thing that's coming along is sucking up all with all the radiant energy. It was just it was just Nikola Tesla. He just needed a little more boost to get out get out of the atmosphere. Get out of the gravity well. When I first heard about Skinwalker Ranch, I was like, you gotta be kidding. This is fake bullshit. No like <laughs> you're telling me there's uh men with dog heads smoking cigarettes. There's it, it, there's all kinds of crazy shit going on. There's portals, there's spaceships, there's fucking gigantic wolves. No. But now I'm like, maybe. <laughs> right. I would love to just wander around Skinwalker Ranch. 
Well, you can't. Nope. You can <laughs> private property. Yeah, you can wander around the outside of the property. That's as close as you're gonna get. I guess I can tell you about one more incident, which was the last draw before selling. You want you want me to get into it real quick? Yeah, sure. We better end it after that. Yeah, we're getting. Yeah, the, there's still a lot more, but we'll do this one and then we'll end it. All right. So one evening, while sitting on the porch with his dogs, they're they're, they're blue healers, which blue healers they don't take no shit, man. They're they're pretty tough. They look like just hound dogs or whatever, but they're tough dogs. Uh, Tom saw a blue fat a blue flash. And immediately he was like, I know what that fucking thing is. And the dogs saw it too. And they started to, you know, that not like the, the loud growl, but the kind of like the real low, like to their self growl. Mm -hmm. Tom saw the, the orb moving along the pasture. When it got to the South end of the pasture, it turned and began flying towards him. And Tom, this guy, he's so fed up. He's pissed off, and he was like, "Get it, boys!" and just sent the dogs after it. Just not—he wasn't thinking. He just sent his beloved dogs after it. Once they got close to the orb, or they got—they got like closer to it. The orb it went lower, and then it was just a few feet off the ground, and it started to like tease the dogs. So every time the dog, yeah, dog would jump at it, the orb would be like yeah, yeah, and just kind of like, like. <laughs> dart up and to the left and to the right and just so they were trying to get it but it couldn't and then they were playing this like this little game and then the orb was drifting them towards this like thicket of trees okay and tom was like oh shit this is not good oh they're bait yeah so then all of a sudden the orb dropped real low and then sped off into the trees and the dogs were like and took off after it. <laughs> Shortly after, Tom heard his dogs yelping in agony. No. And then, silence. No, no, no. So, you remember how we said Tom Gorman, this dude was a hard ass. He beat the shit out of a wolf monster. Yeah. Well, he decided to go to bed and look for the dogs in the morning. Yeah, dogs are dogs. Yeah, fine. They know where home is. Yeah, <laughs> like, your dogs, like, if my dog... I take my dog outside and some. And I hear him yelping. I'm busting out. If I can't get the door open fast enough, I'm smashing through the the fucking oh, glass yeah. door. Sure. You don't know what it is. No, 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 no. In the morning, he goes to look for him. Uh, he gets to this clearing where he saw three circles of burnt grass. Oh no! And in the center of each circle was a pile of this blackish, greasy mess. Oh no! Yeah. So. Hours later, he's this man. He's distraught. He's like, oh, God. He's beaten down. So he agreed with his family. It's time to sell the ranch after 20 months of living there. Mm-hmm. So now they understood the weird locks on the doors, the bolts on the windows, the big chains outside that the previous owners probably used to chain large animals for protection. They understood it. They got it. And they, they sold the ranch. The whole thing is insane. But then that's when they went, he went back to work for the National Institute for Discovery Science. Yes. And actually, that didn't last a whole lot of time. Actually, uh, Robert Bigelow and NIDS. Oh, no. The whole thing. They didn't last too long at all. 
That's Gorman experienced all kinds of other stuff while he was working with and for NIDS. We could probably do a third part on all that shit. <laughs> There's a possibility. <laughs> but we'll discuss that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But people should definitely check out this book. They want to get in the Skinwalker Ranch and everything surrounding it. I mean, eh, there's some spots where you could probably skip over because I mean, they get into Freemason stuff. They get into remote viewing. Yeah. Mini world theory, which actually we've actually done episodes on that. And none, none of those things referred to Skinwalker Ranch. I don't believe so. But mm-hmm. Skinwalker Ranch has referred to all those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting, man. I would love, love to go there. Just in the area. Just to, like, wouldn't it be cool to go there and just fucking camp out? Just pitch yeah. a tent, man, and just camp out in the, just in the area. You don't have to be even too, too close. You don't want, like, security hassling you or whatever, but. Right. We could probably go at, outside of Fort Duchesne. That's the town. That's where, uh, uh, what is it called? Strawberry Inn. I think they did that. They went there on portals to hell. Jack Osborne was on the travel channel and they went to this inn to experience some stuff that's related to Skinwalker Ranch, which is a good episode of that. Um, but between Fort Duchesne and uh, Bottle Hollow Reservoir, I bet there's some campsites. Oh, yeah, there has to be. They probably make a killing, dude. There's only within three miles of everything all all of them within just this one big probably four square mile area the bottle hollow reservoirs getting walker ranch fort duchene the whole town dude that's gonna be one of our stops but do not go swimming in the reservoir oh hell no that's gonna be on one of our episodes coming up yeah i'm sure oh we didn't mention real quick i forget the i forget the name of the ranch but another ranch in Sedona, Arizona, at the same, mm-hmm. the same, same time as all this was going on, they were dealing with the same shit, but they didn't know it because they didn't, you know, back then, they didn't really communicate like, like we can now. Yeah. But they were dealing with the same exact shit in Sedona, Arizona. It's a bit of a distance from Skinwalker Ranch, Utah. Yeah, but those four states, mm-hmm. they intersect at the four corners. Yes. Which isn't the 37th parallel running right yes, through the sir. four corners? So, hey. Yes, sir. Hey, hey. Yep. So, I don't know, man. But, yeah, the same time, another ranch in Sedona dealing with the same shit. Whew. Boy, this was a long episode, wasn't it, buddy? Yeah, it was. It's all right. We had a lot to cover. We had some time to do it. And we still didn't cover everything. No. Highly recommend this book, Hunt for the Skinwalker. Yeah, I second that. I, I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was well done, although at times, like you said, it could have left some stuff out. It could have stopped the jumping around, stay on one timeline, but... Yeah, because it keeps you on your toes. I guess. Uh, are you a skinwalker? Tell us about your skinwalker stories. Bring on the weird at gmail.com. Get us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Oh, yeah. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Oh, what are we going to review? Don't leave us a review. Give us five stars and tell us if you want to open a window to another dimension. Maybe don't go in that dimension, 
just kind of say hi to people. I'm not talking about mirrors. I'm talking about opening your dining room window and just looking through it. And it's a whole other world. You want to try that? Five stars. Tell us about your your dimensional window in your dining room. Yeah. Uh, if you want some pretty cool merch, you can go to myconspiracytees.com slash bring on a weird. The t-shirts, hoodies, blankets, canvas wall art. Uh, I don't even remember what all I said. Hoodies. Did I say that? Leggings. Mugs. Water bottles. All kinds of stuff, man. Tons of stuff. And that's it. Yeah, I think you're right, man. All right. Stay weird, world. We'll see you guys next time.